This is the Tribune Audio Network. Okay, hi. Hi. I was said action. <laughs> and action. That's how we like to do it. That's how we start things now. You are listening to Sip, Survive, and Repeat, um, a podcast about sipping wine and survival stories, yeah. and we repeat it every week. That's Get with correct. It. Get with it. Listen to it. It's amazing. If you like true crime, you're going to like this because everybody lives. Well, not everybody. Mostly. 99% a lot, a lot of, the lot of time. people live, though. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It's nice. It's a good It's a good thriller. It's a feel-good. <laughs> it's a feel-good item. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> cool, cool. Okay. So we have some super fans that sent us a bottle of wine. And their names are Megan and Cam. Thank uh, you, Megan and Cam. Thanks, Megan and Cam. They sent us Folly of the Beast. It's a Pinot Noir. Uh, it's a 2017 and it's really cute. It has like, it looks like somebody hand wrote the label. It's super cute. And then there's a big whale's tail on it. So super cute. I'm sold. Uh, let's see what we're dealing with. Everyone, everyone keeps telling us the 15% ABV episodes are real funny when, by the time we get to the end. So I wanted to see how much this has. I think it's 13. I think it is too. Hold on. Where is it? Oh my God. It's, oh my god! I saw that I saw a hundred percent, and I was like, a hundred percent. We're gonna be wasted. Whoa. No, it's a hundred percent Pinot Noir. Good. It's not a blend. Good news for the listeners. Thirteen point six ABV. So we'll be we'll be nice and it'll be smooth. We'll be tipsy. It'll be great. We're always smooth. We're yeah. like smooth criminals. This is a kind of wine that I would buy based on the label alone. Yeah, this comes in my Wink wine box like on the regular. Mm, it's so really good. It's smooth. Yeah, I like it. Um, shall we talk about our, our infamous weight loss challenge real quick? Oh, fine. <laughs> Jenny's having a great week. Tell him, Jenny. I lost 1.6 pounds. I'm proud of you. That's amazing. So how many pounds am I away from week one? You're still up like half a pound from okay. week one. But that's still, that's still amazing. <laughs> I don't know why, because neither one of us can lose any weight. It's hilarious. It's because I'm not really, I, I told you I had a quarter pounder from McDonald's for lunch today and fries and half of a Coke. Are you the type where if you're going to go eat fast food, you're going to get fries? Because I am. Yeah. Why the hell am I going to McDonald's if I'm getting a salad? Well, I know, but like Todd will go to like Wendy's or McDonald's and he won't get the fries. No. Like if I'm there, I'm going to go 100%. And then for dinner, I'm going to eat bad too, probably. Yeah. Although I think I could skip having a burger tonight because I, I feel like I had that That's a lot of red meat. Satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm going to a burger place for dinner, so it could, I mean, I've got be that good salmon swayed. dish too. You could, yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, where are you at? I'm. I already forget. I'm up like a pound or two pounds or something. Two. Well, uh, I first up, stepped on the scale and it was a not, pound from last week. Okay. I'm up a pound, which is very frustrating. Although I did have several donuts on Sunday, and Girl. Todd I, and I drank lots of alcohol this weekend. <laughs> but so far, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I've been really good. Well, it's, I think it takes your, your body time. Like I will say I fell off the intermittent fasting wagon for the last like two weeks and I just started it again on Monday. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's working? Cause I've been doing it for like six weeks. Well, I, I I mean, wine doesn't count though. It does count. (laughs) That's why it's not working. (laughs) Damn it. You can drink wine. You just have to drink it within the parameters. I know. I don't want to. I want to drink it till like 10 o'clock at night. I know. I agree. I agree. Who wants to stop drinking wine at eight o'clock? Nobody. Nobody. You just have to eat a later lunch. <sighs> okay. Anywho. Okay. So that's it for the weight loss challenge. It has been extended because it's already been five weeks and we obviously proved that we can't lose anything in five weeks. So we're going to my 20th high school reunion date, which is 10, 19. So yeah, we'll do our final weigh in. Right I can't wait that. to hear about this reunion. Do I you just, have an outfit yet? No, I'm thinking bandage dress, like mm. hold it all in. Yeah. Sexy McSexer pants. I like that. Yeah. We'll see. Sexy. Are you gonna get your makeup done? I think I want to. Did you your lashes in? Um, my lashes have not arrived. I got magnetic lashes, everyone. That and a magnet, magnetic eyeliner. So I will let you guys know how that goes. I'm really interested in that. So I got keep us up. I got posted everyday lashes, and then I bought big honking ones. And I feel like I'm gonna like the big honking ones because I like I like a little drama. Because you're every woman. I'm every woman. It's all in me. Anything, Anything you, you want, want done, baby, I'll, I'll do it naturally. Kenny, you can edit that out if you want. Home. Home. He's like, no. No, I mean, it was really, it was like on, on key. Just kidding. It was so <laughs> not. <laughs> so bad. We're tone deaf and I love it. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we need to talk about. Um, 
Thanks to everyone who liked the 9-11 episode. Um, it's really been, that was a hard episode to do, and mm-hmm. I think we've gotten some good feedback, so thank you for that. It makes us feel better about what we're doing. Um, we did get a new review today, and it's from somebody named A. Hatley. And I don't know if that's a him or her, so I'll just say they said, love it. Great podcast to lighten up my true crime podcast obsession. All three hosts are hilarious, and I even enjoy their banter at the top and end of the show. Don't sound so surprised. Because we are amazing at banter. We're all in a sales department. All we do is talk to people all day long. Um, Okay, is there anything else, Kenny, that we're missing? Not that I can think of. Great. Kenny's been sick for like a while, so we're worried about him. He also lost five pounds, but he's not in the weight loss challenge, so he can go fuck off. (laughs) Him and his 24-year-old ass. Sickness is the best diet. It is. I, I lost nine pounds once when I had the stomach flu. It was amazing. How can I catch that? Kenny. Make him cough Get at over you. Here. Cough, cough in my face. In that general direction. Just take no, a little awful. spit and swab Ooh. it on the edge of her club. Ew. <laughs> sorry. That, that is real gross. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yakaroonies. Although I didn't feel good yesterday. I had to leave early from work. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I cut coffee back out. Today is the first day that I went without coffee because... Do you have a headache? No. No. I had tea. Hmm. I had I had a... Yeah, but that's... Yeah, it's different. Yeah. Anyway, okay. okay, your turn. Go. I'm going first. Yay. Do it. I just want you all to know that I got, well, I watched a documentary about this. Here we go. It was on A&E. Oh. And I forget the exact name of it. I'll have to look it up. But I want to say it was like inside the serial killer mind or in the killer mind or something like that. And it's literally these people who are serial killers or like just killers in general, I guess. They don't have to be serial. Um and they talk to them in prison and have them tell their side of the story. Ew. It is the creepiest, creepiest thing I've ever seen. I'm going to have to check that out. It's like the the one guy. So I didn't do this, this. The episode with this one guy that was really scary. I couldn't do because uh, there were no survivors. Oh, wait. Oh. I'm sorry. There was one survivor. But the story wasn't about the survivor. It was about him, him and killing he- all these like people in his life. Like he was on drugs and he thought all the, like the feds were after him and like he was paranoid and they kept being like, well, do you feel sorry about killing X, Y, Z person? And he'd be like, well, you know, shit happens. <gasps> it was very, he was very flippant. And I was like, you know, he doesn't have empathy and that's a sign and, of but just to watch his face have no, he didn't care. He's no. Just... And it wasn't like he was, you know how, if you try to be like, yeah, I don't care, but you do, mm-hmm. you, you, it shows. Yeah. No, he was just like. Life happens. He's like, they died. So? It's like, yeah, they died because you killed them. They'd still be here. Oh, my God. Have you seen that show, Barry? No. Um, it's a great show. It's awesome. What's it's it on called? HBO, Barry. Barry? Yeah. Like the name? Like the name Barry. Okay. What's Who's the actor in it? Bill Hader. Bill H- It's so good. Anyway, he's a um, sniper, a hitman. Yeah. And he has the same, like, no reaction. Like, I just don't get it. I we just got to season two and it's it's so good. You got to check it out. Season two was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Okay. Season one was awesome. <laughs> and this is on and HBO. It's little, yeah, it's a little thirty minute ditty. Like it's not like an hour long or anything. Todd and I will sit and watch one episode. I try to force him to watch two. He's not a binger. I like to watch. I will watch oh, multiples. But I love it. Anyway, that's my favorite. All right, so I got this uh, this from the uh, documentary, the reenactment. Um, also, I pulled up an article in a place called Serial Killer Magazine. That exists? Yeah. I feel like getting that delivered to your house. I think it's an online magazine. Thank I don't God. think it's a real. I don't. They probably flag you for that kind of thing. Yeah. Oops. Well, guess what? I looked it up on my work computer. <laughs> hey, hey, it's research. I mean, this is for work. We work for a TV station. It's There's, fine. It's fine. Your key card won't work tomorrow. <laughs> Jenny, we have terminated you. <laughs> You're on the list. Goodbye. All right. So this is the story of um, Levi King is the killer's name. And it's called Random Rampage. And the article is by Lori Bell. So Lori Bell, thank you for the article. I'm sorry, A&E, I don't remember the name of your documentary series, but check it out. It's something like Inside the Killer Mind or some shit like that. Uh, I will find out and put it on social once we know. (laughs) Great. Okay. So basically this was two families, five victims, all Mm. gunned down in a 24-hour rampage. Was this in Ohio? No. it It was between two states, though. And they were pretty far apart. Oh. At least, I mean, I didn't look at a map, so I can't really say that. With, I'm like, guessing West Coast for sure. No. Oh, shit. The first one happened in Missouri. Okay. And then this guy drove his ass down to Texas. 
That is determination. It is. Isn't Missouri and Texas pretty far? Yeah. Okay. I think so. You know, like how I'm like, I don't have a map, so I'm just going to guess they're far-ish. Okay. So Anderson, Missouri, it was September of uh, 2005, and 70-year-old Orly McCool, Orly, Orly. (laughs) went grocery shopping with his 47-year-old daughter-in-law, and her name was Dawn. Um, Orly was an army veteran and retired and so cute. his wife was out of town. Aww. Uh, so he needed his daughter-in-law's help to carry the groceries back to his house. Like I'm, I'm like in love with I'm you. I'm already Orly. in love with him. Yeah. You're adorable. I can picture him. He's wearing probably suspenders. Yeah. Maybe a vet, a vet's hat, like some type of World <gasps> War II yes. or some type of a hat or wait, seven, he was 75. So maybe Vietnam. No, he was 70. 70. So Vietnam. Maybe? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, probably Vietnam. Anyway, some like war hat and uh, like so cute. Okay, go. I love it. I got the image in my head. Okay, good. Okay. So they got back with the groceries around 2 p.m. And they headed into the house uh, on the entry level and started carrying groceries downstairs because I think it was a split level is what it sounds like. Um, so first Don walked in, his daughter-in-law, and then Orly entered behind her. And they had no idea that there was somebody waiting for them inside the house. Okay. So suddenly a white male stepped out from the closet and shot Orly in the side of the head. Just like, boom, goodbye. He was instantly killed. No. I'm sorry. They're going to be survivor. Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) We're not laughing at that. It's terrible. We're we're not laughing at that. We're laughing laughing at at how you said it. Yeah. I, I wanted to say survivors, but it's and really... And I almost said before you said that, thank God this is Sip Survivor Pete, because Orly's going to survive. Sorry, and Sorry no, Orly yeah. dies. Okay, Sorry. so he's gone. Yeah, we we're going to have some deaths in this one, but there's a, very, there's a very strong little girl who's going to make it. Okay. Dawn still, uh, was still going down the stairs, and the intruder fired repeatedly down the stairs at her. Uh, he shot her until he was completely sure that she was dead. So he just kept firing at will down the staircase like a crazy okay. person. Okay. Um, he left the house and he looked over and saw a set of keys that were by the flower box. And he took those and they ended up being the car keys to Orly's Dodge Dakota. Okay. So he fled the scene in Orly's truck. Um, and for a moment, he doesn't know what to do next. And when I was watching the documentary... It's the killer talking about this. And How creepy. It's real creepy. And it was, but it was interesting. So there's like a psychiatrist mm-hmm. who studies forensic. Um, Minds? Yeah. Like, okay. well, forensic, um, oh. I think it's called forensic psychiatry, I think. Oh. Or psychology. Not sure. Um, one, of the, one of the. One of those. P's. Mind things. Yeah. Um, so he was uh, watching this video of him talking and uh, the reason that. Um, Levi, who's the killer, uh, the reason that he did this is because he kind of had all this anger built up from like childhood, but his reaction to killing was relief. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that weird? So is it like my, my guilt level for stepping on like a, an unsuspecting bug on the sidewalk exactly is high. Like we even had so much so that we had a spider and I hate spiders or even a better story. We had a bee that flew in the pool Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we rescued it. Actually we had two because I didn't want it to die. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I I could not even imagine killing a person. So he had this real shitty childhood. Um, he had brothers and sisters, but his dad took a special interest in him and his dad was kind of a creeper. Mm -hmm. So he, he recalled that, um, his dad took him out into the woods, like hunting but instead of hunting, he brought a box of puppies. No. And he shot them in front of Levi. Oh. Okay. And he often, his dad often killed animals and he did too. What a piece of shit, both of them. Okay. But his, his whole upbringing was just, it was rough. Yeah. But it was that's, real rough. I mean, okay. yeah, his right. brothers and sisters didn't kill anyone and they lived in the same house. That is like the lowest form of. Oh, I agree. Yeah. That and children. Like, go fuck yourself. Right. So anyway, um, so he felt this relief because he had so much anger pent up inside that was building and building. Um, the psychiatrist was kind of trying to, like, explain this. Why don't you go try boxing or something? Right. Like, he went ahead and killed some people. And then, yeah. again, the relief that he felt was so great oh. that he immediately thought, 
it was like a high. Yeah. He was like, I want to yeah. do this again. It's probably, and I'm not comparing it to this, but maybe like those, uh, like the um, mental illness where you cut yourself. I don't, yeah. And I don't know that it's a mental illness, but I'm just saying like. Oh, no, yeah. Like self-mutilation. Like, yeah. Like where you cut yourself and there's like a relief within that. Maybe it's right, something. Because it's like, instead of Not that I'm comparing um, the two no, people. No, but if you're having but, emotional pain, people right. cut themselves because then there's physical pain, which is. It the of, opposite of what. Yeah. yeah. So I, he just, this was a huge release for him. It was relief which I found awful and like weird. Oh, gross. Um, so now he wants more because he thinks he can get another like rush, another mm. high. So he decided to drive over 13 hours from Anderson all the way to Pampa, which is in the Texas panhandle. So he pulled into a town off Highway 70 at 3.48 a.m. Um, and he was feeling the urge to kill again because mm. his at this point, that relief and that like, adrenaline and like euphoria that he felt from the first he murders had to chase it he it was wearing off it was mm-hmm. kind of like when you do drugs and you, yeah and it starts to wear off not that I know because I right. honestly have only smoked pot but um he was chasing the dragon yeah exactly oh yes so he spotted a deserted farmhouse down a country road and he decided that this is where he was going to stop so these are random people this is a random house that he literally pulled off a highway, mm. found this house in the middle of nowhere, which he liked because he could make a ruckus, like shoot his guns, and it nobody would notice. Okay. So he, um, they actually, there were guns in the back of Orly's truck, mm-hmm. so he grabbed an AK-47 mm-hmm. and took it with him. Uh, so he broke into the farmhouse through the back door, and he immediately saw um, a bedroom. So he walked in, and it was the mom and dad. It was Brian Conrad and his 36-year-old pregnant wife, mm. Michelle. Mm. I can't. Those and animals. They were asleep in the master bedroom. Um, Michelle's two children from a previous marriage were also asleep in <sighs> other bedrooms. Uh, so Levi entered, and he found them sleeping. And he shot Michelle six times. Holy shit. Like, uh, I think he got her after one, dude. I think she's dead. Uh, then he turned and shot five bullets into the husband, Brian. Cover your ears, Danelle. Mm-mm. What do you do to that animal? He then shot the family dog, Molly. That fuckhead. Like, why? Why? What the dog do to you? I, what did these people do to you? You just literally pulled off That's the highway. Why, you, know, you know what Todd and I started doing? Locking our bedroom door at night. Yes. I know that's weird, but we lock our bedroom door in case anyone ever breaks in. Mm-hmm. At least they got to like break down our um, our fake wood door. Yeah. I mean, it. it's going to be hard. It's hollow. Right. I'm just kidding. It's it's gonna ho- it is. It's like, you know. Yeah, they're going to punch like through MDF. it. Like MDF. It's <laughs> hollow. But you keep, you keep doing you, Danelle. Whatever. Okay. Down the hall, 10-year-old Robin heard her mother's screams and gunshots. She crouched down and hid by the bathroom door. Um, and then she observed as a killer exited her parents' bedroom and she ran to her bed to try and hide underneath the covers, which is adorable. Like the covers are not going to protect you from gunfire. And- she was terrified. Who wouldn't be? Um, she also said in the documentary, she was having nightmares already. Mm-hmm. And so she like at first couldn't figure out if, if this was, was a dream. Yeah. Or- you know, when you have one of those dreams, it's really like I have them with Donald and I get mad at him and then I wake up and I'm like, I'm so fucking pissed at you. And he's and, like, right. Why? And I'm like. So many reasons, Donald. And like, let me tell you Don't a couple ask. things that you just did in my dream. <laughs> let me tell you. He's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. Just go with it. Uh, okay, so um, he saw the movement. It caught his eye. He walked to the bedroom, and he shot a single gunshot into her room. Um, thankfully, the bullet only grazed her arm and leg. Oh, thank God. She grunted and fell to the floor and played dead. Smart girl. Mm-hmm. Then the killer went to the other bedroom and shot and killed the 14-year-old brother, Zachary. And he shot him like three times, so mm-hmm. he didn't live. So at this point, Levi, the killer, thinks the whole family is dead, including the dog. And so he just starts rummaging around their house like a weirdo. He was looking for things like a value that he could use, um, you know, to sell or make money, blah, blah, blah. Um nothing i mean he really didn't find anything it was like a little farmhouse off like route 70 um robin listened intently and she was trying really hard to not make a sound because she knew that and she was 10 yes 10 years old okay 
And the way she fell, she was partially on the bed and partially off, but she didn't want to move. So she like hold that position. Yeah. She said that her arms and legs started cramping up at some point. Like what a smart little girl to know to play dead and, you know. Um, Oh, he got something to eat because he's a dick. Great. Just he's, he worked up an appetite after murdering everybody. And when he didn't really find anything, he decided, okay, I'm done. And the thing of it is he actually didn't feel the same relief after these killings that he did after the first. And the psychiatrist guy said, um, it's because he, he didn't have enough built up anger in him at that point to feel a great release. It's like he did it too quickly after the first murder. Like he needed to wait longer to have the anger build back up so that when he killed again and felt that like tension release that it felt good, but he'd already done that. And you may have said this, but did he know the first? No. Okay. These are both random ass killings. Okay. All right. Like what are you doing? Because I was going to say maybe the first one wasn't random. Maybe that's why it was a different experience versus the second, but they were both These are both randos. Because he's crazy. Um, So anyway, he got back into Orly's truck and he headed south. Uh, and he figured that he would um, drive to Mexico. Mm. Great. So uh, Robin actually, because of being so scared, actually fell asleep from exhaustion. Just like fell asleep yeah. in that pose. Um, and when the sun rose at 7 a.m., Robin woke up and was like, oh, my God. And like, she, this was a dream, right? She didn't know what to do. Um, and so she and she didn't want to go look. I wouldn't either. No. So she took the cordless phone from the kitchen and she didn't look in any of the bedrooms and she went outside and she called 911 and she basically said, um, there was a shootout at my house. I don't know who's alive or dead. I don't know what to do. Please come. I'm scared. Poor baby. Like they, they had, they played the 911 call. It was heartbreaking. I don't know that I could listen to that. Yeah. Um, so the first responders got there at 724 and they found Robin sitting on the tailgate of her stepfather's pickup truck. And she told them she wasn't hurt. Um, one of the deputies put her in his patrol car and he was trying to get her to like calm down. And she was just very obviously worked mm-hmm. up. And he at some point said, um, well, what, are, what would you normally be doing right now? And she's like, I have animals to feed. And he was like, okay, let's go do it. But not the family dog. Danelle. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was there. I had to do it. So they, uh, he took the little girl, Robin, and they went to the barn and they fed the animals because oh, that was her chore. That was what she was supposed to do every morning. God, what a good police officer. I know. Too. What a sweetheart. Um, they found all three occupants inside um, who sustained major gunshot wounds mm. and they were all dead. And detectives were totally stumped. Cause like, and nobody heard this. No. Because it's like they have no they, neighbors right. in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I'm sweating, but it's not because I'm nervous. It's just how I just, that's what I do when I do this. Okay. They found 15 spent shell casings inside the home and they found shoe prints and tire tracks, but nothing seems to have been stolen because again, he looked around, but he didn't really find anything "Eh, on Eh, the next. Um, so people who, uh, oh, the triple homicide appeared to be a random act of intense violence and people around Orly's home that knew him, had been trying to call him, but no one had been. Oh, so they hadn't found able Orly at this him. time either, right? Oh, so at this point now, people are concerned about Orly, mm-hmm. and people are they they already know what happened in Texas. Nobody knows that these two are connected, connected at all. Yeah, it's they're thirteen hours apart. So um, on September thirtieth, Orly McCool's nephew Alan Sink went to his uncle's house to check in. He found the front door unlocked. He walked Aww. inside, and he found Orly's body directly inside the door. <sighs> Um, police arrived and he informed them that his uncle's pickup truck was gone. So obviously they put out, mm-hmm. um, is that an APB? Sure. Sure. Uh, to find it. Uh, Orly was dead from a single bullet to the I temple. I must have said Amber Alert. No. For the not. car. It's not. not. It's not. That's for, that's for the <laughs> that's children. For, that's for people. Humans. The children. Right. Okay. <laughs> Dawn's body was found on the lower floor. Uh, she had multiple gunshot wounds. Um... And they found that they had a she had a receipt on her from the supermarket that they were at, mm-hmm. and it was sta- uh, time stamped for one fifty three p.m. And they got home around two. All right. Um, so detectives found that there were several spent shell casings. They collected them for later analysis, and then they started interviewing eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so they found a guy named Shane Walters. This is again in Missouri still. Uh, who said that around 2 p.m. he noticed a man walking around the Orly residence. He informed them that the man looked strikingly similar to Scott King, a local resident. Hmm. 
Walters knew that King had sons, but he didn't know what they looked like. Scott King lived in Missouri, just miles away from Orley. Investigators were informed that on September 29th, the day Orley and Don had been murdered, King reported a burglary at his house. So this is Scott King. Uh, King reported to police that he had several guns stolen, including a 9mm Smith & Wesson. Uh, The sheriff's office started to surmise the possibility that one of those weapons was used to kill Orley and Don. The sheriff contacted Scott King and made initial arrangements to search his residence. Um, He showed the officers a spot by the door where he allowed his sons to shoot guns. Okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. Let your kids shoot guns. I think they were adult children though at this point. I know, but really, they found a bunch of different casings on the floor. The casings appeared to match the ones detectives had retrieved. Who does that? I don't know. People in Missouri. Missouri. Let us know. Do you guys just shoot guns? Where at? Out your window. Sure. Uh, So King stated that the casings were previously fired from a nine millimeter Smith and Wesson that had been stolen, and many casings uh, that were found were sent to the crime lab for ballistic comparison to the ones found at Mm -hmm. Orley's house. Um, later that day, King went to the sheriff's office to render a statement and almost immediately told them about his 23-year-old son, Levi King. Scott told police that he had last seen Levi at 7 a.m. on September 29th and took him to a bus stop so he could take a bus to Anderson. Um, so he basically, Levi got out of his dad's truck in the morning and said he was going to the bathroom but never came back. Red, what? Red red flag. Who? He said, Scott surmised with his detective skills uh, that Levi may not have, not only have possession of the gun, but most possibly involved in the murder to some degree. Mm, you think? <laughs> um, so after committing five murders in a 15 hour span, the killer headed south. Uh, he had driven 500 miles out of Pampa into El Paso and he crossed the border into Juarez, Mexico. Also, oh, he made it to Mexico. He did. Okay. What year was this? 2014? 2005. Five. Oh. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. This is just 13%. I'm already drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Uh, okay, so they issued a, an arrest warrant uh, for Levi for the killing of Orly and Don McCool. Um, Levi was no stranger to the system. He'd been arrested and jailed for arson, burglary, blah, blah, blah. He was a bad person. Yeah. Um, the Conrad's killer remained in... Uh, Wait, while police remained on the lookout for him, the Conrad's killer remained in Juarez, Mexico. He was starting to panic, especially after he mistakenly exited off the main highway. He decided to turn around, still in Orly's truck, and he was accidentally heading towards the border patrol with no exits in sight. Oh, So basically, he got into Mexico, and then he missed an exit and turned around and then started going back towards the United States. Having to go back through border control. With his stolen truck and his many guns. Great. And his murder... Mm-hmm. Murder is behind him, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> he pulled up to the border patrol at the U.S.-Mexican border. He was clearly nervous and asked over to, asked to hand over his ID. He ended up providing multiple IDs, <laughs> including a few that, in, that were uh, Brian Conrad was one of them. The dad. What? The dad who he murdered in Texas. Dummy. I mean, this is one of those ones where you're like, was you're he... watching this and you're eating chips and you're going, you're so what? dumb. <laughs> Do you think he was just so in like an erratic state he didn't care or he just I have like no as idea. he was describing this was he like did he have any like thought no like, because I, I feel like every so I've watched three episodes or like two and a half and they these guys are all so cocky it's yeah. like they think they're gonna get away with it so he was just like um oh, pick an ID whatever one you want right Use it. I'm all of these all at that. <sighs> Um, so the patrol agent asked, do you have any weapons? And he said, yes. He's like, listen, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I have three IDs. One of them is a dead man's and I have guns in my truck. (laughs) Let's talk. Uh, so they detained him and escorted him to a private interview room. Um, he answered all their questions with facts, but very little emotion. Again, that was the creepiest thing about this guy. Um, they went to search his car and they found the AK-47, the 9mm Smith, Smith & Wesson, and a 38 scoped rifle. Okay. I don't know if I'm saying all those right because I don't, I don't do guns. <laughs> okay. You don't shoot guns out your window? I, I don't shoot guns at all. <laughs> water guns. I, I like a good water gun fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, they fingerprinted him and entered him into APHIS, and it was confirmed that he was currently on suspicion for double homicide. Um, 
and they handed him over to the El Paso police. Uh, Basically, Levi admitted that he had stolen the guns from his father, killed the McCools, and used their truck to skip town. Levi said nothing about the murder of the Conrads at the farmhouse. El Paso police took Levi and shipped him back to Missouri. So at this point... But he had the guy's license, so... Right, so at this point, though, they haven't... Connected the dots. Connected it. Anywho... Uh, so he, he, when he got back to Missouri, they asked him to retrace his steps after his father dropped him off at the bus stop when he went to the bathroom and never came back. Um, and Levi basically said he walked back up State Route uh, 76 to his father's house, uh, slept in an old car parked outside, waited for his father to drop off his younger siblings, found the front door unlocked, and so was his bedroom so he could steal the guns. <laughs> Once he was in the room, he took a hatchet and hacked into his mm. father's gun locker and ammunition box. So his dad at the time was not like, oh, that's weird that there was a hatchet taken to my gun locker. Suspicious? No. Fine. Not at all. Fine. Whatever. Um, he didn't have a plan, but he was armed to the teeth and ready for anything. So he left the house close to noon. And he took off through the woods, taking a shortcut. Um, he left two rifles and the bag of ammunition stashed just off the road. He headed down a country road and walked out on Route 71 with only the 9mm. So he saw Orly and Don leaving. And he decided to break in. Um, suddenly, Levi heard sounds of people returning. He hid in an office closet. He let Dawn pass. And when Orly came in, he shot him. He said, he told police he absolutely had no justification for killing the McCools. He didn't know why he shot them. He just did. He was held without bail for the murders. Uh, he then headed into Arkansas across I-40, eventually going into Texas. So... Um, back in Pampa, Texas, the Gray County sheriffs had no motive and no suspects. People in the town of Pampa were just like, what What's, the hell? Yeah. Like, this was a nice family. Mm-hmm. Um, every, everyone in, it was Texas. Everyone was armed and on edge. They're ready. <laughs> Woo! Uh, three, make, three weeks into the investigation, they caught a break in the form of a tip from Missouri law enforcement. Detectives received a phone call that there was a suspect in Missouri that had just admitted to killing a group of people in Texas. So he, fi- like, basically he told them he killed the McCools, the two people in Missouri, and then he was like, oh, and by the way, I also killed a bunch of people in Texas. Great. This guy is just like, what else? Oh, and by the way. By the by. Um, Levi never informed Missouri detectives that he had ever killed anyone in Texas. The source of information was from a jailhouse informant whom oh. Levi had talked to. So Levi also has a big mouth. Yeah, he wants to brag. Um, Levi had stated to his informant, hey, you know what? There are four more like the ones I did here in Missouri and Texas. The police drew the conclusion that King believed he also killed the 10-year-old Robin, which is why he says he killed four more in Texas, because mm-hmm. but Robin had lived. Um, they also confirmed that when Border Patrol searched his vehicle, there was an AK-47, which matched the Texas shooting. Yeah. Uh, so the question remained, who is Levi King and what could have possibly driven him to the point that he was suspected of murdering five people in less than 24 hours? Um, so basically, just to go back a little bit, the King household, like I said before, was a hellhole. It was unsanitary. They had no running water, uh, no house rules. The kids could write on the walls. They could get alcohol whenever they wanted. Um, he started to exhibit a number of disturbing behaviors. Um he set fire to his sister's room oh, because he was mad at her. Oh. Uh, he grew up with a front row seat to his father's perpetual poor example. Um, they were both obsessed with weapons. His father had guns, swords, knives, and hatchets. Um, his father often did drugs in front of his children. In his early teenage years, Levi also picked up a drug habit himself. So basically, he just, yeah, yeah, wasn't He's great. a bad guy. His dad's a bad guy. At the age of 20, he was also diagnosed with bipolar disorder. It wasn't on proper medication. Correct. Yeah. Um, so, anywho, I'm trying to scroll down so I can see, like, we don't want to talk that much about Levi. He's a douchebag. Is he in for life, I'm, I'm hoping, or death row, I'm hoping? Uh, yes. Okay. okay. So, here we go. Um, 14-year-old Robin, the sole survivor of Levi's rampage, took the stand in his trial so in Missouri, oh, in Missouri, there wasn't a trial. He was just convicted because he pled guilty. And right. it was just like, boom. So because Robin survived, there was a trial in Texas. Uh, it says the sole survivor of Levi's rampage took the stand and recounted the details of the horrific night. And she's 14 now. Uh, she was 10 when it happened. She said she lost her entire family. She talked about how she missed her mother, her father, her brother, and how she was still traumatized to this day. 
um, she just broke down completely. Um, in the documentary, she definitely um, seemed really strong. Like, I don't know how old she was in this documentary. She looked like she was probably like a later teenager mm-hmm. of some sort, but she seemed totally normal. Like, and she. Which is- amazing like how can you be so normal after all and of she that? was she was actually so excited because remember her mom was pregnant mm-hmm. and she was like I was so excited to be the best big sister because at that point she was the youngest yeah she was like I'm gonna be the best big sister like that's gonna be my mm-hmm. little baby doll like it's gonna be great and uh, yeah um so anyway the jury deliberated on October 5th um one juror held out for more than seven hours and refused to vote for the death penalty Why? uh Without a unanimous vote on October 6th, Levi King received three life sentences without the possibility of parole. Just kill him. I'm sorry. Just <laughs> As I like to say, strap him and zap yeah. him. But uh, no, he, because of that one, the one holdout for the death penalty, he ended up getting three life sentences. In all honesty, sometimes I think that's better. Like rot in jail. Especially someone that cocky. But here's the thing though. Sometimes when they go to jail, they have their own like manipulations and they can start like forming gang like I don't know like sometimes they want to like live their life there and it's a good life and they can yeah I don't know yeah I say um, strap him and zap him as Jenny would say <laughs> I learned that from one of my history teachers in high school isn't that terrible <laughs> no he's used to saying all the time um so it said you can't expect Levi to turn out any other way than he did the bottom lo- line though is that he was completely in a dysfunctional family fine fine lots you of people actually, are in dysfunctional families you can't expect him to, tr- to turn out a better way like that's not i, I can definitely expect it. Yeah. i know people who grew like, up that's in a shitty, cop out yeah, yeah it's dumb so um anyway he's serving his three life sentences in cor- uh, the correctional center in bon terre wait correctional bon terre. center not like a prison i'm guessing a correctional center is a prison okay he killed like five he better people. be like bad dirty prison yes so my survivor in this is Robin, who is a badass and a girl who, I don't know. I don't know how she gets through every day, but Mm-mm. she's a stronger person than a lot of us are. And she's so young. And I, I say, get out there and do your thing, Robin. Mm-hmm. Like you're a badass. That's amazing. So that's the story of a dickwad and the girl who survived his terror. Go Robin. <laughs> Go Robin. That's so it. that was on Annie. Annie. I okay. will look up what it's called okay. at some point. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. Um, wow. That was intense. Sorry. Yeah. That's why Kenny said I had to go first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mine is, uh, I feel like mine's a little intense, but not like that. That was, um, so apparently I'm going to source this week. So I got my stuff from well, people. I, that, you did too. I, well, I plagiarized a lot of that. I needed I mean, to, I mostly mean, mine is always plagiarized. So, I mean, sometimes I read verbatim and I want to give the person credit. Yeah. So. Well, here are my <laughs> here are my plagiarizers or okay, whatever. I'm ready. Um, just so you guys know, I'm a glass of wine in already, and Perfect. nobody else is. So here, I'm gonna try and catch up. Here we go. <laughs> uh, People.com. I'm pulling my pants up. Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. The Center for Suicide Prevention. Oh, okay. Which is a giveaway, and of course, our very own Leslie Marcelino. Yes. So she gave me the story. Nice. She picks the best ones. She does. Okay, so um, since it was built. In 1937, more than 1,700 people are estimated to have jumped off what bridge? Guess. The Golden Gate Bridge. Yes. How did you guess? Because it's the most, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's probably the only bridge you can name. Uh, London Bridge. Is that a real bridge? It is. There's Fergie. a song about it. <laughs> I just My heard London, that. London, London Bridge fall down. I just heard that song the other day and I changed it. I was like, what a dumb song. Can I just anecdote on that real quick? Yeah. Uh, I have all old songs on my um, my phone mm-hmm. in my iTunes mm-hmm. uh, because I'm old and I don't download songs anymore. I just listen to mm-hmm. Spotify or whatever. So I was playing my iTunes, which I think is so fun because they're like from Spider, years ago. Mine is a lot of Fergie as well. And and London Bridge came on. And you know, there's like that, the beat in the back is the guy going, oh shit. Uh-huh. Oh, oh shit. shit. And it came on and I was like, and Declan was in the car, my four-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I, I immediately was like, boop, next song. And Declan goes, no, mom, play the oh shit song. You're like, oh, it's too, oh shit, it's too <gasps> he late. He already heard it. <laughs> so did you put it back on? I did. Oh. At that point, I was like, he's already heard it. Let's yeah. just do this And thing. then if you make a big deal about it, then he's going to keep asking for it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I was like, okay. 
Here we well, go. Well, um, only 25 people are known to have survived. Um, jumping How many? Up. 25. Ooh, okay. Yeah. It's a big bridge. Um, while the average survival uh, rate of a normal bridge death, I guess, is 15%, only 4% of those that jump off the Golden Gate, Golden Gate survive. It's so. tall, and I feel like that bay's got to be cold. It's got to be a little chilly. It wouldn't be my pick, but that's Ice? I mean, I'm not planning to. But no, me I'm either. not. So I'm not going to even say it. I was yeah. going to tell you how I was going to do it, but I'm not because don't, I'm not doing it. Don't do it. And I think September is Suicide Prevention Month as well. Oh, is it? Yes. Perfect. Okay. Um, okay. So some facts about the Golden Gate Bridge, in case you didn't know. It's a suspension bridge. I knew that. We, I, Yeah. Um, and it spans um, the Golden Gate, which is connects basically San Francisco Bay and the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, it's one of the most internationally recognized symbols of San Francisco, California, and the United States, and it's been declared one of the wonders of the modern world. Um, it's also considered one of the most beautiful, most fo- f- photographed bridges in the world. Oh, boy. This oh. wine is kicking Oh, boy. <laughs> she can't say the word photographed. We're in trouble. At the time of its opening in 1937, which I didn't realize it was that old, Mm-mm. it was both the longest and the tallest and um, its span is 4,200 feet, which is a little over a mile. And it's almost um, 746, like 750 feet tall. Height. So. Do you have any stats on the paint that they use on that thing? No. Oh. Every time do I see you. I do, at some point, Jenny's I had. like, I want to tell you something. <laughs> you guys, they use a lot of paint to paint it because it's so big. Um, no, there was a stat, and I, it used to be in my head as like useless knowledge, but I, off the top of my head, I don't oh. know what it is. But I'm assuming I'll the look red. it up and try to find okay, it. Okay, I'm assuming Thanks, the Kenny. red. Well, it's like orangey. It's like coppery oh. red. I know when Todd and I went to Napa and um, San Francisco for our honeymoon, we drove across the Golden State Bridge, and I was like scared. It's, it's so huge it's and it crazy. takes a long time and it was like foggy and like night and like it was very oh, eerie yeah. and spooky. So, okay. Spooky. So this is the survival story of Kevin Hines and um, the article that I read this out of starts off with um, jump now. Oh. And he said that this was the voice that he heard in his head. And um, was he any relation to the Hines ketchup fortune? No. Okay. Um, no. Because if he was, I would be like, we could be friends. So. I love ketchup. It was, it was the year 2000 and he was just 19 years old. So he's a little babe and he attempted to take his own life by jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, um, which I've already called it the Golden State Bridge. So just please take out the word state State. and gate. So just know what I mean. You'll know. Okay. Um, A fall that would only take four seconds. (gasps) Really? Yeah. Four seconds, and it's averaged to be about 75 miles per hour on impact. Mm -mm. So just hit a concrete wall, basically. So so the day of, he took the bus to the bridge, and um, he found himself walking, pacing up and down the pedestrian, like, little area before you can, like, approach the bridge. Mm -hmm. And in an interview, he had said that... um, This actually almost made me cry when I read this, but he said to himself while he was pacing that if one person comes up to me and says, are you okay? Is there something wrong? Can I help you? He said, I was going to tell them my whole life story and they were going to make me feel safe. So as he was pacing, he was thinking to myself, I just want one person to try to stop me or convince me otherwise. And, you know, as we do, we go about our days. Right. And we don't in our bubbles and our bubbles and we don't like look or pay attention to other people's possible pain or maybe what they're going through or read maybe a, a reaction. I don't know. So, and again, obviously he was not very logical in that moment, but if one person would have stopped and maybe asked if he was okay, not that it's anyone else's fault, but yeah, he said that it probably would have made the difference for him to, um, change his mind. So, um, he had battled with depression and bipolar mm-hmm. and other mental illnesses since he was a teen. And, um, he said he picked the golden gate bridge because he thought it was the easiest way to die. And um, he said the voices in his head were so great and so loud that he couldn't even fathom um, any other way. Basically, he said all the time they were the voices were screaming at him, "You must die, jump now!" Oh my god! So he was very, you know, he was a, a and, very and sick person. Did they ever say like if he tried to get help at this point? They didn't say up until this point. Okay. Now there is, I, I will talk about the help he got afterwards, mm-hmm. but up until this point, they didn't really say. And I actually did look into that because I wanted to see like the steps he took or like if he was on medication, then he stopped it or if, you know, yeah. and it's also, here's the thing. He's a teenager. 
Right. What teenager wants to take, you know, no. depression medication or bipolar, any type of mental illness medication? No right. one does. So, yeah. Um, and it it took me until feel, I was 30 to be like, hey, I need some help. Give me some drugs. Yeah. Something's and I, wrong. And I feel like also our society, like back in 2000, it was a different time where yeah. it was, there was a little stigma around it mm-hmm. where now I feel like we're more open about it. Like, you know, whatever medication Hashtag you take. Hashtag my to, favorite meds. Right. I mean, it's, it's more acceptable today. So, Agreed. um, Basically, he described the voice inside of his head screaming at him at all times about how he must die. Um, and he said it was the most horrid emotional turmoil he'd ever experienced, and he could not control himself. Mm. Um, so he also described the moments that his fingers left the railing oh God. of the bridge. He felt the instant urge of regret. I feel like that would be the case <sighs> anytime there was like, uh, like even like, skydiving where you have a parachute yeah I just feel like for me I have that like oh what am I doing the minute you're like you've accepted or have taken that the leap leap of whatever it's yeah yeah um which made me really sad too because it's like he had to get to that point to realize that he wanted to live Yeah. yeah um but you know he thought it was too late and um he said now 38 in this interview realized that it was the greatest mistake of his life at that moment, like as he was falling. Um, so he was falling head first and he immediately recognized that he wanted to live and Mm -hmm. he realized I need to somehow maneuver in air to not fall on my head in four seconds in four seconds. So he had the wherewithal to be like, I don't want to fall on my head in this body of water because I will die. Mm -hmm. So he, re-maneuvered himself to land with his feet going into the water, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, so he fell 240 feet in just, again, four seconds. I mean, he did manage to, to land first feet or his, with his feet in the water first, which saved his life. Um, I thought this was the next part was interesting. He said when he resurfaced, he was trying to stay to float thinking I'm going to drown. Um, and um, he kept saying to, mis- to himself, I don't want to die. God, please don't let me die. So he was like doing a little prayer or whatever. <laughs> and once he came to and realized that he had survived, he felt this like nudging on his back because he was almost like floating on his back If you a tell bit. me there's a fucking seal, I'm going to lose my mind. Go <laughs> ahead. Okay. So he felt this like little push on his back and he was like, what the, f-? like it was, it wasn't a little push. It was a big force. And he thought it was a shark at first. <laughs> And he was like, oh, great. Now I'm going to fucking be eaten by a shark. This is that would like not the be worst my first karma. Thought, but, okay. but it was a sea lion. Oh, my God. It was a sea lion. And the sea lion was pushing him above the water's surface until the, the Coast Guard rescued him. So essentially, the sea lion saved his fucking life. It kept him afloat. Did he name it? He Are they didn't best talk friends? much about. So there's a documentary, which I did not watch. Okay. But. I want to, and I'm wondering if he talks more about the sea lion. I mean, it is a wild animal, so I'm sure it swam away right afterwards. But it it stuck around and kept him afloat until the life the um, coast guard arrived, which is amazing. And he sea said at first, "Are so cute." And at first, he said when he thought it was a shark, he tried to like push it away because he was like, "I'm getting ready to be attacked," and then he realized that it was a sea lion and just let it do it, its thing. So people. If you're in the water and you need rescued, whistle for a sea lion. Whistle for a sea lion or a dolphin. I feel like a dolphin would do the same thing. No, dolphins are mean in the wild. I'm telling you. And all of this, he crushed three spinal vertebrae. So he needed some help staying afloat. Yeah. And he broke his ankle. Well, yeah. I mean. That seems right. When you go feet first, yeah. So doctors later told him that if he was only two millimeters away, or he was two millimeters away from severing his spine. But then I put in here, but he survived. No shit. No shit. Now, survive or pay. I like that I put. Although I say that after I just told you about five deaths. I know, but he survived. Um, So doctors surgically repaired his physical injuries, and after about four weeks, he entered into psychiatric care. Good. And this was just the first of seven inpatient um, stays that he had, and I only put that because. I don't want people to think that you, you know, that he jumped off a bridge, he lived and he was miraculously like yeah, had better. a new life. Like he struggled for many years afterwards and had to go in and out of, um, and not on his own. Like it wasn't like he put himself in that, like family was involved and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, during the first day though, however, he did meet a priest who encouraged him to share his story. 
So after about seven months after the jump, he, um, very hesitant, Kevin gave his first talk to 127th and eighth graders. And he said he was really nervous and really scared as would I be. I mean, it's a very, such a personal dark yeah, story and seven and eighth to graders junior high. Dicks. They're dickheads, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like the worst grade year. Yeah. Kids basically are mean. middle school is the worst. Yeah. Kids are just mean in general. So, mm. um, he said he was freaking out and he was a hot mess. Mm. Um, and he's adorable. I'll obviously send you pictures for the repost. But, um, so two weeks later after he did the speech, um, it says the children sent him letters, but I mean, these are like the seven high kids. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Sent him letters and several of the kids told him that the talk actually made a difference in their lives and saved their lives. So that started him on his, like, like he was like, this is what I was meant to do. This is what I was born to this do. Is amazing. Also since that day to, um, in, um, the year 2000, the bridge, um, the um, Bridge Rail Foundation, I guess it's a foundation that keeps track of how many people try to jump off of it, oh, Lord. said 571 people have have died jumping from the bridge since the year 2000. 571. That's a lot. So um, Kevin, in his um, quest, so to speak, has come up with a, a net, and he's worked with a lot of companies to, to develop a net that goes like around the Golden Gate Bridge and it's being installed in 2021. Oh my God, that's amazing. So he finally got, it's taken a lot of work and many, many years, but he finally got it approved and it's set to be complete in 2021. That's amazing. So hopefully that that will be the last of the 571 people that jump off. I didn't realize it was that many people. Well, I mean, it's a pretty famous bridge. It's really high up. It's really, but (sighs) believe me, I didn't know it was that many either. It's a lot. Um, so today he lives in Atlanta with his wife of 10 years. Atlanta. Atlanta with Margaret, who um, she plays a big role in his life and his mental stability. And they met 12 years ago during one of his um, involuntary stays at the psychiatric hospital. She was actually Aww. visiting a family member. And he said they locked eyes and he knew instantly that she was going to be his wife. <gasps> and they just became friends. And then they just, he knew right away that he was going to marry her. Um, so he still admits that he struggles with paranoia and, um, suicidal thoughts, but he hopes that by telling his story, he'll inspire others to open, you know, open up and talk about what's really going on with them so they can heal and take action. Um, he urges anyone who sees someone, the, the basis of this whole story is if you see someone suffering or upset, like the day he was where nobody said anything to him, he said, just reach out to them. Even if it's just a, just say, he's like, all someone needed to say to me was like, we want you in this life. We want you here. We love you. Or even if you're a stranger, you don't want to say that to somebody, but just like you matter. Like, Hey, are you okay? Yeah. How can we help? He said, if someone would have reached out, he would have just begged for help then just for some reason. It just, I don't know. No, I mean, I've heard that before with the suicide is, you know, it's really a big part of it is the cry for help. And a lot of times they feel helpless and hopeless at that point. And they're not thinking like, like he was saying that yeah. the voices in his head were so strong. He had no choice. Yeah. And again, I don't know what kind of medication he was on or what had happened before, but I know, um, he also said that he doesn't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. Like he's had to make a lot of lifestyle changes and he still, you know, had those seven stints of, um, psychiatric help and everything. So well, I think he's super brave. That's an amazing and That's he an travels the world now, gives speeches, motivational speeches. And again, the, the net that he helped develop and get put in place will be done in 2021. So I think, I think it's just a cool story. Yeah. And, um, so if you're struggling with suicide, suicidal thoughts, there is a prevention hotline and it's, um, 1-800-273-TALK. And that's 1-800-273-8255. He also has a book that's out, and it's called Cracked But Not Broken. Nice. And also the documentary, which I believe is on Netflix, is called Suicide, The Ripple Effect, which I have not watched, but I heard it's really, really good. Okay. So that's the story of Kevin Hines. Oh, Kevin. I know. What an inspiration. That's awesome. It's a great, yeah. Yes. All right. So, Kenny, take take us Take somewhere funnier, somewhere uh, not as wackier? dark, eh, wackier. <laughs> okay, but, good. But first, uh, I found I oh, think oh. the paint fact you were looking yes. for. Yes, yeah. How many gallons of paint do you think are used yearly on the Golden Gate Bridge? I mean, twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. I'm gonna say eighteen hundred. 
5,000 to 10,000 gallons every year. Ooh, that's a lot of pints. A lot of pints. They have to keep touching it up because apparently the salt water really oh, messes yeah. with the steel. So they have to like constantly, like it's a full, I, there's like 30 people, their full-time job is just yeah. touching No, that's what I, I think that was the part that I found so interesting is that it's like, constantly being painted it's like never done being painted yeah, this guy let get interviewed he's worked there 20 years imagine being the guy that's way at the top though that well they said like, like the, very... the wind can get up to 60 miles an uh-uh. hour and it's like they're strapped into the cables while they're painting Mm-mm. sounds ridiculous and again back to this the fact that he survived that yeah i mean i can't even like jumping off that so imagine being up there painting in the wind and the i don't know because if you've ever been to san francisco you must, that shit is windy you you must be into nature yeah. at that point you gotta like Best heights. into nature. You gotta like paint and nature and nature and wind and wind, and not be afraid of any of those things or seagulls flying in your face. Yeah, I can see that happening. I bet they're covering up a lot of seagull poop too. Probably. Yeah, Do you think they have to scrape so. it off before? Probably. Huh? I would think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, if I'm they the guy at the top, if I'm the guy at the top, I'm just gonna go over it. No and one's gonna see. Who's gonna agreed. know? Agreed. No one's gonna know. His boss goes up there one day. He's like, God damn it! I told you to scrape this. Fucking bird shit. <laughs> Do you, what does it say? What color it is? International orange. Oh, the name of the color. I'm you gonna can do fi- my living room in that color. You can find the color like where to buy it on their website because people ask about it all the mm, time. Okay. Ask how. Ask now. Ask Sherwin Williams. <sighs> okay. Let's get into uh, weird so news. the weird news. So the weird news story. You guys, I think, might be able to guess <gasps> it. Yes. Uh, are so, you sure about that statement? When he I'm, says you guys, I think he means Jenny. I'm yeah. going to give you just a general idea. So a woman died, and she died from an unlikely animal. What was this animal? Hmm. Can you tell us what part of the world she lives in? She lives in... I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because it's an unlikely animal. Australia. Okay. Mm. Unlikely but animal in Australia. I'll, I'll give you a hint. This animal is in the United States. It, it is? Yeah. Okay. Oh. So it's like a very common animal. Is it, a, is it a pet? Um, maybe. I don't it suddenly has become 20 questions with Ken. <laughs> <laughs> is it a hedgehog? Good guess. You might be thinking of my other weird news story about hedgehogs. Yeah. Well, also a girl I went to high school with had a hedgehog as a pet. Interesting. And mm. I thought maybe it could, the little spiky things on little it spiky could things. Okay. have a bacteria I don't know, whatever was it a was it a donkey it was a chicken oh. now stop more specifically that. a rooster she was pecked to death <gasps> by a rooster what now, oh my god now, the now they are dicks but it wasn't like she was attacked by I think like they're 10 roosters <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. sorry that's a mic drop <laughs> She she wasn't attacked by like ten roosters. It's just honestly a couple pecks, but it like hit this vein, varicose vein, and it she just bled to death. Oh, that's oh, not wow. good. Yeah. That's she, not good. It's a very freak accident that only happened because she's like been treated for hypertension. Oh, and, like, she, died she already had pecs. Yeah. Veins. Okay. Okay. Pre-existing the chicken, conditions. The chicken peck. <gasps> Opened it up and she just bled to death from oh it. You guys, God. if you have varicose veins, you can get them treated. Okay, they have vein, vein doctors. clinics of America or yeah. something. Yes. So I'm just saying, which sounds painful. Listen, I to get your veins taken out, but they aren't working anyway. They're not. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. All I know is all I hear I know commercials they, all the time about it. Here's what they do: they pump them with saline, your veins, and then they remove them. Fine. Goodbye. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Chicken, death by chicken. Death well, by maybe chicken. it was just, maybe she ate a lot of chicken sandwiches and he, and was, he was just pissed. like, fuck you. He's like, stop. I bet. Maybe she, I mean, maybe she's just really into that. Chicken, chicken she, life. Yeah. Maybe she had just recently killed a chicken for our sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, ah. Have you, have you ever had a chicken? Like, so I'm from a farm town and mm. I, I was at my friend's house and they had chickens and his mom served chicken for dinner one night. And I was like, is this one of the chickens from your... And she's like, oh, yeah. I, no! I had a hard time it eating it. I, yeah. Here's something. they were like pet... When we had chickens at our house, we, they never killed them. We just got them for eggs. We just let oh, them die naturally. Them. After they stopped laying eggs, they just kind of roamed around. And yeah. wolves will get them, I think. Like, a lot of them just like disappeared. The and fox. we're pretty sure like... The some, some sort of That's animal. That's the natural way. I mean... Yeah. Um, 
I once was in Sedona, Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, on vacation, and we went to a restaurant with a big pond or lake Mm-mm. out front, and there were ducks swimming. And, like, they were well known for duck. And they're like, well, so do our you special think- today is duck something something. And I was like, I can't look at the duck and eat the duck. I do you think they pulled the ducks from? No, I don't think they did. I just was like, you can't. It's like I can't eat a burger and look at a cow. Yeah. I just can't do that. Well, like sometimes on my way into work in the morning, there's that, um, there's a semi-trailer truck mm-hmm. that goes by me and it's got the holes and it has the animals in it. Mm. And then you're a vegetarian that day? And a, well, for about a week. Oh, oh yeah. a week. Yeah. Did I ever tell you at the time at your husband's favorite place, Gibbs, mm-hmm. that I saw them wheeling in? Yes. I told him that story. Pigs. I know, okay. but their BLTs are so good. Dude, I know. It's fine. <sighs> we'll be vegetarians occasionally from here I don't there. eat pork right now. Although fine. I did, I mean, I have some, whatever. Listen. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. Okay. Okay. So uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're not going to talk about our sticker promotion because we have a post roll that's coming on after this to tell you about it. So rate, review, subscribe, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.